screen. Uh, welcome everyone to Grim After Dark. Uh, my name is John and this is the Frontline Gaming Network's weekly interview show where we ha- hit the high points of the last week in the Warhammer community, talk to the best players and content creators from around the world about the one thing we all love, uh, Warhammer. Uh, tonight we welcome Joe from War Games Live, uh, a gentleman who kind of caught my eye during one of our live chats in a past episode, uh, who uniquely travels across the country streaming other people playing Warhammer. Uh, my co-host today needs some introduction. Uh, he's the terror of the mid-tables, uh, devoted ser- servant of Caliban. It's uh, Danny McDevitt. Danny, how are you doing? John, I'm fantastic tonight. I'll tell you what. Amazing. That's yeah. so good. I mean, I love that we can have this intimate conversation and not have like two immature people making jokes in our ears at the same time, because uh, that would be awful. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Danny, the 30k gatekeeper. Um, has reared its ugly head again, and we have someone complaining that the, the demon titan has demon parts. Um, John. Amazing. Good times. Danny, in fact, f- scratch that. Move okay. away from there. We don't even right. care about that. Um, <laughs> Danny, this week we see the release of the second book of Warzone Octarius. Um, John. We talked about it a little bit. Yeah? Hello. I know. I'm excited. I'm just very excited. Sorry. There's so many rules in this book. There is. If you check out the Mob Rules YouTube page, Danny and I did review um, book two, Octarius, all 14 pages of those rules. Uh, For those sensible enough to not want to go there, Danny, why don't you take us through a little bit about what the rules are? We can probably ignore the Astra Cartography people who are like... I won't. Guess what, John? I'm I'm excited (laughs) about those guys. That's all we're focusing on is those guys. (laughs) Hey, have you ever wanted to have a model that's kind of like an Inquisitor, but it just isn't? And it's not <laughs> as good at all or in any way? You, you know, should definitely only, think about... <laughs> only if I was able to not actually take it in a detachment with like anything else. I mean, that would be the only way I'd want to take it. Absolutely. Well, guess what, John? Your wish came true. Your perfect <laughs> rule set is now available. You can take a inquisitor and maybe some dudes with las guns and uh they can maybe make them into pistols yeah only yeah and i think that is a really great way to kind of round off our review of warzone there's nothing else in there that matters nothing else in there if you already have orc armies the stuff that you really like is 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 better now i think that's the best way to look at it uh and then if you really like uh rogue traders and the idea of them have fun with open play narrative play tons of stuff to do there uh i would not play them anywhere else but anyway what i really wanted to talk to you about danny uh the 30k gatekeeper um oh. the the kind of the scourge of the hobby uh shall we say uh showed up again uh, as we have someone complaining that a demon titan has demon parts uh danny what's your take now, first off this conversion of a titan <laughs> here is, is a yeah. beautiful conversion i know uh, and I love it. And as we're progressing through the horse heresy, um, as we did, like talked about a few episodes ago with Taylor kind of taking us through everything and more corruptions coming and more demons are coming. Uh, what do you have uh, to say for this or this person who's saying that, you know, you know, demonic things shouldn't happen in the horse heresy? Dude, you suck. I mean, that's <laughs> honestly like <laughs> what a bad take. Like, look, guy, it's great that you and I mean, yeah, really pay attention to who this who actually wrote this too. It's really important. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, go. you know, to complain that something is like too chaosy, like I get that you're in the heresy, but like you know, stuff at the end of the heresy was a little bit more 
like it was closer to 40k and this guy's complaining he's saying that siege of terra is basically like 40k not 30k so which yeah sure whatever guy um but uh yeah what a bad take like what a terrible take <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely and as danny said uh, you can check out all these pictures on the grim after dark twitter uh, which is at grimdarkflgn um to avoid anyone being doxxed every single name uh on all of the stuff we share is changed to seth oster um right. as was the example with this one here yep. uh moving forward scandal coming out of the frontline gaming network last week Danny, is the thursday show uh, called coventry a city a couple of hours north of london part of london uh, here in defense of a city with 377 bicycle thefts this year alone, uh, Frontline Gaming Network's creative director, Val Haffelfinger, or the voice of Val. Look, it's Coventry, okay? Coventry. Not Coventry. It's Coventry. Well, I figured maybe it was like a COVID kind of a thing. Maybe they changed their name. Was Coventry. It like a Coventry. I, I will say one of us has lived in the country that that city is a part of. Well, uh, I've I've been through, and um, you know, uh, so apparently Coventry is not a suburb of of uh, of London, but uh, the Greater London area, also known as the United Kingdom, uh, you know, includes many lovely hamlets and and uh, historical places such as Coventry. And we, uh, yeah, how do we know there's not like a subdivision named Coventry somewhere in Greater London? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I think we can just leave it there. Quite, quite yeah. frank. But uh, thanks for uh, getting to the bottom of this one, guys. No, no, you're welcome. And we look forward to hearing about your tournament coverage of uh, Northern London's Birmingham Open uh, mm-hmm. coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Danny, nerds are angry about things. Um, what? This person here is calling for a return to simpler times. Oh. However, I think they got confused because they want to return to second edition Warhammer. Uh, Danny, oh, do you God. remember the simple times of fear, terror, hiding, uh, vehicular turns. Um, yeah. Tell me, I mean, even after we, we had the earlier thing with the chaos diamond, why is this the worst take of the century? Well, John, because, you know, I all right, like, look, nobody wants to roll D12s for their last cannon damage anymore. I'm sorry, like, guy, just get over it. Like, nobody Dude, cares says about you, that. I fight Imperial Knights all the time. If I could roll a D12 <laughs> for last cannon damage, it's chef's kiss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you're going to, yeah, anyway, you're going to be charged like it does 12 damage and not like it does maybe six sometimes. So a- anyway, like what a terrible addition. I-, I know that I really like taking my, my Warhammer kill team and spending four hours trying to figure out how many of them died to a virus bomb before the game started. <laughs> Yeah, second edition was what pulled me in as well. Uh, but looking back in hindsight, uh, those rose tinted goggles are real rosy. Uh, it is not great in comparison anymore. Uh, and I want to thank Chad as well, letting us know that uh, Coventry University is in London. Uh, so technically, uh, someone's oh. correct. Uh, perfect. Uh, Danny, new custodians are coming. Yeah. Uh, the book is coming out, and what better way to celebrate wow. with an exclusive peak of a new model? Uh, watch out. Here come the puns, uh, which I know you love, Danny. Uh, this crab stowed comes out of the pot, resplendent oh, in his gold shell mitt, ready to perform a brand new scuttling dive stratagem. In a pinch, uh, he's opened the vaults and he's going to stab you. Dude, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Dude, why why I said, what possessed I said, you to do that 
Like of all the things you've done on this show for shock value, for humor, this is a real low point for you. I have to say, like mainly because on. I know you hate puns, but I just want to let you know because I don't know if you got it or not. But shelmet is a pun because instead of helmet, I said shell at the start. Oh, beautiful, love it. Thank you, Danny. That was exactly the kind of reaction I was looking for in that one. Um, Finally tonight, uh, a winless man uh, called Greg from Goonhammer has uh, this piece of advice for a perennial loser. Um, he's talking about ITC rankings worldwide. He is currently ranked 4,401 out of 10,387, uh, where he's gotten a combined 0-13, uh, which means the fact that this man is statistically better than most is a beacon of hope for those who just want to get have, go have some beers, roll dice, uh, while saying that they're in the top 50% of gamers worldwide. Um, again, abusing the gimmick, because we have it now. Uh, for more on this, we go to Val. Yeah, I just thought I wanted to you know, give some more uh, you know, uh, stats-related context to this. Uh, so of the uh, 2,862 players in the ITC with three tournament appearances like Greg here, uh, he ranks at uh, 2,842. So, you know, uh, he has some room for improvement, I think, uh, on that. But that also means that there are at least 1,559 players that have scored more than him with less than three tournament appearances. Uh, however, of the 19 people named Greg in the ITC, he does, however, craft, uh, cra <laughs> crack the top 10, wow. finishing eighth amongst all Gregs. Shout out to Greg Chamberlain, currently place, pacing all Gregs in 30th overall. Yes, yes. Uh, it's hard to read off a teleprompter, guys. Uh, you do great no, work. I'm, I'm glad uh, that you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. No, no, go, Danny. You're, you're way more important this I, I, year. I, well, I was just going to say I'm really glad that we were able to exercise this uh, petty form of revenge on someone who Val thought was talking the ITC but actually wasn't. Like, So we did all this research. <laughs> it's pretty uh yeah no i mean i like where his head's at like i'm i'm all down with that kind of uh with that kind of petty shit but like i just wanted it on the record yeah and if you two want petty stats about your friends i don't know why this is petty i don't know why this is petty he's eighth amongst all gregs in the itc there's absolutely nothing petty about that that's that is something he can hang his hat on it's true He's also 2,842nd out of 2,862 players with three results. I mean, I mean, it's just, just you know, numbers don't lie here, guys. That, Greg might, fair. but numbers don't. <laughs> and if you Yikes. do have one of those, uh, maybe that'll be like a future uh, uh, FLG uh, coin uh, benefit is Val will create custom stats about your gameplay uh, to, to make you, you better. You show him your coin, you're like, well, you're the 57th John uh, to ever compete in this. Dude, that would be impressive. If you were the 57th John, I mean... I'm, I'm real bad. Real bad. Uh, but anyway... Moving on. Uh, jokes are done. Thank you so much, Server Val. Uh, and then for everyone who's sending all, all of this fun stuff that we saw here. Uh, Danny, why don't you take us into to the meat of today's episode? Okay. Um, so we have uh, somewhat, and this is, I would say, uh, this gentleman here is a new person for me. Like, I've, I've viewed some of their content. Um, it's pretty good so far. I'm pretty excited to see where this goes. We've got uh, Joe Scheidler from Wargamers Live. Um, today with us. Super glad that we could have you on, Joe, today. 
Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this is exciting for me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Joe, you were actually in, in the chat for one of, one of our episodes here, and I saw some people talking to you, and what you're doing sorry, was, like, man. super interesting to me. Yeah, one, I'm sorry. Uh, two, we have a great chat community that sticks around, um, but they have to kind of mute what's on screen while they're talking, <laughs> so we appreciate you kind of following along with that. Um, but why don't you tell us it is what you do uh, that kind of is maybe a little different from everyone else? Yeah, so I'm trying to uh, broadcast a Warhammer tournament every weekend from somewhere in the country, which I don't think anyone's ever done before in, in my experience, in my knowledge. But I also, um, I'm trying to make the game as cinematic as I can in my stream. So I don't just have one camera. I actually have 13 cameras that I bring to all the different tournaments that I go to. And um, it really helps me to see the action kind of from the table's perspective or from the model's perspective, which I... I, that, that's one reason I got into this game, right? Is the models and the uh, cinematic aspects of the game are just super important to me. So if I can get a view where I'm like standing, you know, the cameras behind Abaddon and then there's a couple of dreadnoughts in the foreground and stuff during the game, that's the stuff that gets my juices flowing. Uh, in addition to the tactical stuff and the interesting strategic stuff going on on the, on the table. So I'm trying to combine this kind of uh, different way of viewing live tournaments along with doing it every weekend from somewhere in the country. And uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Really, really have enjoyed it a lot. I've met a lot of really cool people, been to a lot of really interesting places. And um, I, I've met you guys tonight. So it's really opened I'm a lot sorry. of doors. Again, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. It's all Again. good. Um, so what, what uh, I'd really like to move from here is, so you are traveling the country, uh, streaming Warhammer games. What... Mm -hmm kind of drove you i mean i know you said you wanted the cinematic thing but most people we see in kind of these local rtts and tournaments and things that, that you're sometimes going to we have kind of our one top-down camera that's kind of like uh bolted to the ceiling kind of pointed down a couple of lights yeah. pointing down there what made you want to insanely put 13 cameras <laughs> into a portable rig yeah that's intense yeah i so i've always tell people in game stores like there's no more beautiful game um than Warhammer 40k being played on a table full of nice terrain with two beautifully painted armies. It's just a visual spectacle, right? Like you walk into a game store and, you know, I used to play games in this little little town in Alamogordo where I've been living for the past five or six years. And you, you sit in there playing 40k in the front of the store and people just walk in off the street to talk to you about it, right? Because it looks so cool. And um, it, it's such an, a visually rich and interesting game that I wanted to communicate that in my streams, right? And, and also I will say that being able to look at the game from different angles helps me to follow what's going on in the game better as well. So not just, you know, looking cool, but also understanding the state of the game better. Um, it's hard for me sometimes to differentiate from that one top-down view, the models from the background, the terrain and stuff. So, um, so, so I basically wanted to create the stream content that I have been wanting to see for, for years. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of that, um, mm -hmm. what pulled you into to, to Warhammer? Was it kind of like the similar thing like you were talking about where you just kind of passing and your eye kind of caught this weird table with, you know, <laughs> virus bombs and vortex grenades like Dan was talking about <laughs> yeah, earlier? Yeah. No, actually, um, I got started with Games Workshop with HeroQuest. I don't know if you guys remember HeroQuest from the oh, yeah. 80s. Uh, yeah, that was my my kind of um, gateway drug for Games Workshop because I didn't know this until much later, but apparently HeroQuest was a collaboration between Milton Bradley and GW, right? Yep. So um, 
from Hero Quest. I loved the miniatures and the furniture and everything in Hero Quest so much. I was like, man, this is so cool. And I found out that Games Workshop made this game called Advanced Hero Quest, which I got a copy of. And um, from there, it was mostly years of like drooling over Citadel catalogs um, yeah. because I was too poor to really afford to start playing 40K until my uh, late 20s, basically. So there was a period in there where I, where I really wanted to play Games Workshop games. I'd go to the store and look at people playing the games back when everyone was playing on like a a fake green fur grass um, <laughs> table, right? I don't know if you guys remember that stuff, but it was just, yeah. Uh, what is that stuff? It's like AstroTurf. People just put AstroTurf yeah. down on the table and a couple of like soup cans or something for terrain. And the and, sad um, way of like uh, generalizing where I'm from, uh, Sabudio pitches was what I used to play on. Um, okay. Which <laughs> nice. makes sense to literally 80% of the people listening have no idea what that is. But yeah, Sabudio pitch was my first wargaming table. <laughs> but yeah, nice. for sure, like that kind of AstroTurf material. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't actually start playing 40K until 7th edition. It was near okay. the beginning of 7th, kind of when I got into the game. And um, one big thing for me is, like I said, the hobby side is huge for me, right? It's not not just the game. I got really deep into tournaments and stuff in 7th, but um, I didn't want to play a game of 40K until I had my entire first 2,000 points of Space Wolves painted, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I spent a lot of time hobbying and watching battle reports and stuff. And um, it just happened that my local community, this was back when I lived in San Antonio, Texas, there were a lot of really cool guys there at the store that I started playing at who were really into competitive play. And that kind of got me interested in going to tournaments and, and that side of things. But I've never lost the love of the hobby side and the kind of more fluffy side. I've still got that in me. Like, like I'm, I'm one of those guys who's like, I go to tournaments to see the spectacle and to meet new people and, uh, to hang out and, and, uh, see, I get so inspired when I go to tournaments. It's like beautiful armies everywhere. It's just amazing. Right. Um, and I like to try to win games too. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not somebody who is, gonna like switch to the meta army every time a new codex drops or something i'm i'm ride or die space wolves 100 percent, right never gonna switch from that so um but yeah it's it's been a great it's been a great way to meet people right it's, it's tough as an adult to i was gonna say just to get like, jump on in there like but, but yeah. before we go into that social aspect there as a yeah, ride or yeah. die space wolves player no matter what no matter the meta um how does it feel kind of like kicking in the mid tables uh kind of pretty permanently there yeah, I um, it's been like that for quite a while, to be honest with you. And I personally, I, I like that. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Like, I would hate to have a codex because it was a little bit like this in seventh. I don't know if you guys remember Space Wolf, uh, Thunderwolf Cavalry, Death Stars. I played that list. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't say I didn't. But um, walking up to a table and being the guy where it was like your opponent was like, oh god, I have to play this army. That didn't really feel too good to me, right? Like, and yeah, I was winning games, you know, and I I placed highly in some big tournaments and stuff, but. But like to me, it was more important of, you know, showing up to a game and your opponent saying, "Okay, this is going to be cool or fun or whatever." And I feel like Space Wolves can still give that kind of game uh, pretty consistently. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Did you go full Bark Star, Danny? I know you went full Bark Star, right? No, no, no. no. I, had, I had I had the Black Mains. I played that for a while uh, with all the free drop pods. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, like ten yeah, drop. I did that one. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Now I, I um in my in my local area, I kind of independently invented the crazy Death Star, where the entire army was one unit. Right. I didn't. I never went full crazy and had the Dark Angels souped in there. Yeah. I never did that. But I did have the my I, my entire army was one unit. Right. It was just independent characters joining a unit of Finrisian wolves and crazy like wound 
shirking shenanigans for the whole game and all that stuff. So, man, uh, when people complain, Danny, about the state of the game right now, how quick <laughs> we are to forget. Yeah, uh, don't forget. Never forget. Ne- never forget a bunch of uh, wolves uh, being uh, shooped around a table by two chapter masters and a bunch of other people. Uh, it was yeah, terrible. Time. What you want to see? <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. I, I remember fly, playing against flying yeah. hive tyrant lists, right? Where they would just be flying around the table the whole game. I had my invisible Thunderwolf Death Star the whole game. And we just didn't interact with each other until like turn four, where one of us had to decide to land or to split off the Death Star to like try to actually get some objectives. That was the whole game, right? It was just yeah. dumb. So the game's much better now. Perfection. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you decide sort of whereabouts you're going? Because you're you're going around the country and you're kind of you have your, your mobile streaming lab. Um, like, mm-hmm. how do you kind of decide where you're going and what you're doing? Yeah, the main thing for me is um, it has to be at least a two-day event because it takes sure. me like four <laughs> hours to set up everything and like three hours to tear everything down. So it's a lot of work. But um, it's really just based on where I am, right? Because my biggest expense is gas and I'm not, you know, getting paid to go to these events right now or anything. So mm-hmm. I just try to find events that are like relatively close together that are two days each and um kind of string my path you know through the country by connecting those dots and Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing to me that that's possible right because there are events going on all the time somewhere in the country um and you know you go out there and find them and and uh it hasn't been a problem so far like i've been able to find an event just about every weekend pretty consistently that's awesome yeah yeah and shout outs to BCP, by the way. I couldn't do this without them. That that I use their app to find all the events, and it's amazing. It's a great tool for that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's super cool. So what has your favorite event been so far? Oh, my favorite event. Wow, that's tough. Um, Throw some think... people under the bus. It's fine. It's really... No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, they've all, they've all been really cool. There's, there's been interesting stories from a lot of them, too. My favorite was probably um, a couple weeks ago in, in Westminster, Maryland, we had a, a tournament at a local game store um and it's just it's like the store that we all wish we had in our hometown kind of a place it's really nice you know lots of room for everybody mm-hmm. um yeah it was a, a tables and towers is the name of the place and uh it, it's just a really cool store the, the people there were super friendly i met a lot of really interesting people there the, there's mm-hmm. a really interesting like meta over here in in the east coast that I didn't know about before I started doing this. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of really cool personalities here. So I really enjoyed that one a lot, but um, they, uh, I'll be honest with you guys. They've all been great in their own way. Like I'm not, I'm not, it's hard to pick, right. Cause they've all been really cool. Um, Excuse me. It, it's funny. Cause like people, um, when I go to these events, this is like a lot of people's one big Warhammer event of the year or of the quarter or something. And I'm doing it every weekend. So it's, it's cool to be able to kind of, get that energy from people every weekend, you know, where they're like, this is so mm-hmm. exciting and awesome and everything. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I agree. It's awesome. Um, this is just my normal Saturday now. Right. Which is uh, <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, I wish Danny, that was you... my normal Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... Danny, did you notice like a change? Cause you, you moved areas and obviously Joe, you're, you're moving around a lot week to week. Um, have mm-hmm. you noticed like a lot of changes of like how game stores are or like, are they all pretty similar? Do you guys feel like Daniel start with you? Cause you've obviously just found your new home and, and, no. uh, West, West potato, Idaho. Yeah. Um, 
what is kind of some of the differences you were seeing? Uh, I mean, not all game stores are created equal, obviously, right? Like some of them are very nice and some of them are not like bad or anything, just like they don't have the, they don't have as many amenities as some of the other ones do or as much space mm-hmm. for gaming and that kind of thing. Um, so it's been an interesting journey for me uh, going from a store that was pretty much all gaming space to going to one that has none uh, locally. Oh, wow. Uh, which is tough. Luckily, there's like a game club here, so that kind of helps things out a bit. But man, I've been to some pretty big game stores, uh, like Greatest Great, like Great Escapes in Sacramento was pretty big. Um, they had like a whole warehouse uh, full of tables and stuff. Um, but uh, like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of cool game stores that I would love to check out. They're definitely not all the same, though. That's fine. And then also, Danny, chat calling you out. Uh, I live in Idaho and I've never seen this guy around. That's fair. Um, and we all know, <laughs> statistically, Idaho is a small state. Uh, I've so never actually gone outside here, everyone. John, to be fair. I've never gone outside here before. So, <laughs> Well, then you're not a very good host, not inviting every random person into your home to play Warhammer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on here. Uh, Joe, when you're you're kind of going in, you're, you have this huge, like, elaborate stream setup. You said yourself it takes, like, a total of seven hours to kind of put it up and tear it down. Uh, what yeah. I can only assume is, like, a refined process that used to take much longer. How do players react to that? Because you're going to places that aren't usually used to, like, these big professional productions. Um, how, how do players kind of react to seeing these all of these cameras on them all of a sudden? Yeah, it's it's really the lights more than anything that gets people right. Like lots of big lights overhead, but but I mean people love it. I mean pe- the, the reaction is always super positive. It it adds a ton of hype to an event. You know when you walk into the store and you see this big overhead rig and all the cameras and the lights and everything, it adds another level of interest for a lot of people, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've just found that like everyone just thinks it's really cool and. Um, I do too, right? It's just, it's cool to see. So is part of your setup, do you take the terrain too? Or do you just set up around their tables? Because I know you said you like to kind of, like, that cinematic approach to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I I wish I had enough room in my truck to bring terrain with me to the events. Um, But I will say that, on the other hand, it's been nice to see different terrain in different stores and stuff. Um, I'm a big terrain guy. Like I have a lot of fully painted sets of terrain. It's a big, to me, it's the third army on the table, right? Like Mm -hmm. you got your two armies playing and the third army is the terrain. Um, and we all know how big of an impact terrain can have on the game too, right? Like it's huge. Um, so I would like to bring terrain with me. It's also for filming. It can be difficult to have terrain that's not set up for that because you can have like really dark corners or roofs that block line of sight and stuff. So for now, I'm just kind of working around what the tournaments have. And I actually think that's okay because one of my big mantras for my stream is I don't want the guys being on stream to have any big impact on the way their game is played, right? Like I want the the result of their game to be the same if I was there or not because it's mm-hmm. a tournament, right? And people who play on the stream shouldn't be at some disadvantage because they drew the short straw and had to play on the stream, right? So, um, so I, I don't mind playing with the stream at the stores, but, you know, I will say that um, it seems like the more tryhard or whatever the tournament is, the less pretty the terrain is in general, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair. Hey London, hey London yeah. GT. No, I'm kidding. That's that's a, <laughs> oh, that's a couple wow. year old joke. God, yeah, John, you really dig in there. <laughs> I will say terrain there. real quick. Like something really cool up in Toronto, they did is they 3D printed the terrain sets for every table at the tournament and. What I thought was really neat was you could 
you could get the STLs for that terrain before the tournament and print it yourself at home. So if you were one of these guys who really wanted to practice and prepare for the event, you could print the literal exact terrain that you were going to have at that event and play with it at home or at your game store beforehand. And that, I think that's just a great idea. It's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is super cool. Um, so how does someone decide to kind of spend their time traveling? Because we're saying you're going across the U.S. You started in Austin. Yeah. You're talking about doing tanks yeah. like um, tournaments in Maryland and kind of all over the place. Who wakes up and was like, I want to drive across the country and stream? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I've had that kind of wanderlust in me for a long time. I um, After college, I worked as a consultant for a while and traveled a lot doing that. And then uh, when I quit that job, I actually hiked half of the Appalachian Trail. So I didn't quite make it all the way up to Katahdin, but um, I, I hiked about a thousand miles of the AT with me and my, my uh, yellow lab at the time. And I love that experience so much because um, I just enjoy being a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but like just, just not being in your comfort zone all the time for me is something that I need to kind of push myself. And I find that travel gives me that just little bit of, you know, being uncomfortable that, that makes me more myself. Right. So, um, and I also just like the stimulation constantly of seeing crazy different things. Like even, um, you go into a grocery store in the East and the brand of generic milk is different from the brand, you know, in New Mexico or whatever, right. That stuff is just interesting, right. It makes the mundane more interesting. So, um, the idea of, figuring out a way to travel around and do what I love and share it with people was just really appealing, especially after COVID and being kind of stuck in my little tiny town in New Mexico for over a year. Right. So um, I spent most of that time during COVID planning this whole thing out and writing some software for it and um, testing cameras and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it really, I think paid off because it's been pretty smooth technology wise since the beginning, which is shocking to me. I thought there were going to be major problems and I would have lots of software bugs and stuff, but uh, it's actually been pretty smooth so far. But yeah, I, I just think, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's comfortable settling down somewhere and living there for 30 years, right? That's just not me. And I'm, I used to think that was kind of like something wrong with me, but as I've gotten older, I've embraced it more. And I just think um, it's just the way I am, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danny. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a dream to me. Uh, that'd be pretty cool to travel around and just even just like you're doing, you're spectating, like you're providing a great service to a lot of people so that they can participate kind of because um, not everyone feels safe enough to go out to tournaments and things like that. So getting to watch some people yeah. play live is pretty nice. And I think um, for me, like the biggest compliment is when I see someone in the chat who's like, I haven't ever been to a Warhammer tournament. I'm watching your stream because I'm thinking about going to one and you know, there's a couple guys who said, I'm going to go to my first tournament soon because, you know, watching your stream has inspired me to go. And to me, that's like super cool because sometimes tournaments yeah. get this bad rap for having like um, one or two guys who kind of make it not fun for people. But I mean, you guys know, and, and I know this, the vast, vast, vast majority of games are awesome, right? Really cool people. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm trying to show that on the stream as well. So, like, how how long can you keep this up, though? I mean, I think it's crazy awesome what you're doing. And you're doing, like, yeah. amazing things. But, like I said, just driving all around the country to different places every Saturday. Uh, like, how long do you see you going on with this? I would like to keep doing it indefinitely, as far as I can see. Um, of course, you know, money is not going to allow for that right now. But um, hopefully, 
if, you know, things get popular enough and people are interested enough. Um, I'm not looking to like get rich doing this, of course, right? Nobody gets really rich in this hobby. It's a passion project for me. And um, I'd like to get to a point where I'm breaking even, you know, either, whether that's through a combination of, you know, Patreon support or like tournament organizers kicking me some bucks for gas or whatever. Like mm-hmm. if I can get to that point, then, then I'm happy doing that. Right. I, uh, like I said, the experience is so much of the paycheck for me, right. Just being able to do it, <laughs> um, having this experience of traveling around is, is so valuable to me, um, that, you know, I don't need like a six figure income on top of that. Right? I just want to make enough to, to sustain now. You know, if that doesn't happen, if I have to stop going on the road and stuff, I want to keep streaming tournaments, but it may end up being something where like a tournament invites me out and pays for my travel to come out and I stream it on a weekend or something. Sure. But it just depends yeah. on what the what the people want, right? If the people want me to keep streaming and traveling, I'm going to keep doing it if they if they support me. And if they don't, then that's fine too, right? I'll uh, I'll keep doing it um, maybe just less often. So yeah. yeah. So 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 take us through this, like Danny and I mm-hmm. here, because I, I heard some things you were saying. Um, you wrote software for this, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. which again, most people's experience with streaming is I'm going to put a webcam and staple up, duct tape it to the ceiling <laughs> and run it through OBS. Yeah. So what software are we writing? Is it going to give this experience that you're looking at? Yeah. So um, when I sat down to do this, I was like, what do I want to do differently? And, and what are like my pet peeves watching, you know, some tournament streams. And again, I hope no one thinks I'm not trying to throw shade here, right? Like everyone, is doing the best they can with what they have, right? So uh, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying is like, oh, well, this is so much better or whatever. I'm just saying, this is what I wanted to see, right? And that's why I put it on my stream. So um, one thing that I really wanted to see is um, the score and the CP of the players be like instantly up to up to date, right? Like an NFL game, sure. you know? Like I want to know as soon as someone scores something or as soon as someone spins CP, I want to have that on the screen. And... I started looking into it, like, how can I do this? I, I started off by buying one of those like ping pong table scoreboards with the numbers that you flip over. And I was going to have the players do that and then show it to me. And I was like, this just isn't good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I taught myself how to program in Python a little bit. I'm not a programmer, but I just, you know, mm-hmm. looked up some tutorials and stuff. And again, this is during COVID where everyone's at home and I can't go out and play Warhammer. So I'm, I'm working on this project on the side. And, um, I, I wrote some software so that the players can have a scoreboard on their table and they, they put in stuff on there and it instantly shows up on the stream. I have the software able to, um, on the back end, I can put the mission that the players are playing in on the software and like a drop down list. And then there's a, there's a, a scene on my stream that shows the details of the mission, what the different objectives are for the mission, what the deployment zones look like, where the objectives are, all that stuff shows up for me on the screen. And I have a little mini map down in the corner, like an RTS game that has all that information too. And all that gets updated by the software. So the point is like, I knew that um, I was going to be one guy doing this because who the hell else am I going to get to travel around the country in a tiny little RV doing Warhammer tournaments, right? You got to be a little bit crazy to do this, right? So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But um, but I needed ways to like streamline all this stuff so I could run it by myself. And that's that's where I wrote the software. Um, I also have a thing where I can search for any stratagem in the game and pull it up on the screen in the middle of the game and show that on the actual text of the stratagem to people. Oh, cool. Because um, to me, watching a game, like especially in 8th and ninth edition, stratagems are so important. And they're, they're like so many of them. I'm not one of those guys who knows every rule about the, like, you know, those guys I'm talking about who know every stratagem from every faction, every rule. 
and they can quote them chapter and verse to you. I really have a lot of respect for those guys, but that's not me. So I wanted to be able to like see those rules during the game because they have such a big impact. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was able to like figure out a way to program that into the software as well. Um, so anyway, like the software is there and it makes life easier for me. Um, I find it really useful. Um, it's, you know, I, I couldn't do this without it. Right. And that's, that's the only reason I wrote it. It's not cause I love writing software or something. I was like, this is what I want the stream to have. I need to figure out a way to make that happen. And the only way I could figure out how to make it happen was to write my own software. Hey, man, I spent most of lockdown getting fatter. Uh, you learned a programming language to simplify <laughs> so, streaming. So, yeah. <laughs> Learned a programming language is, is code for uh, copy and paste of stuff from Google and then change stuff around a little bit. So. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's modern development, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what everyone yeah. always tells me. Yeah, yeah. No. I... Now, for some cool. reason, I've been empowered to uh, inject myself oh. into the show and uh, appear like kazoo over John's shoulder here. Uh, so I'm go- I'm going to abuse this privilege because I am a fellow crazy person who has also post COVID been traveling about trying to trying to uh, do stuff. So I have so many keen things to ask you. One of which yeah. I really wanted to say is how has you know in the series of shows that you've done. How has your thoughts about how to actually, I don't know, like tell the story of a game of 40K evolved? Have you, have you found that, you know, how it looked in your mind, you know, as you were starting to like craft this thing, has it changed mm-hmm. at all uh, now that, you know, the rubbers hit the road? Yeah, you know, it has some, I would say for sure. Um, but it's also been remarkable how well like that vision I had in my mind of like, what would a perfect 40 K stream look like? I'm not there. Right. I'm not there. Okay. But I'm like 80% of the way there, which is shocking to me um, that I can get to 80% of the way there uh, basically on a shoestring budget. Um, Cause like, I'm not like independently wealthy or anything, guys. Like I was trying to find ways to cut corners and save costs and all this stuff every step of the way. And um, you know, I'm, I'm like 80% of the way there and it feels good. Like I get a huge sense of satisfaction that I'm creating a product that I'm pretty happy with. Right. Um, cause I was worried when I started this, that I wouldn't be able to get there. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a big ask to try to capture the cinematic imagination of a Warhammer game in a live event weekend after weekend in a different part of the country. And, um, I, I guess maybe that sounds like I'm like patting myself on the back or something, but I guess my point is like, I wouldn't be out here doing this um, if I didn't think I was making a product that was pretty, pretty good right now. Pretty, pretty cool. But I definitely have stuff I want to change and improve on. Right. Yeah, so. for sure. And I know there's going to be points like obviously you're still growing, developing and getting that last kind of 20 percent on the way there. Um, yeah. When was sort of like the first game you streamed where afterwards you were like, yes, like, that's it. I got it. Yeah, I um I had a couple of friends back home who we did like some test streams and at the time I had like two cameras, I think. And I got this one shot. So at the beginning I had a couple of GoPros that were sticking up on a post through the center of the table that I cut a hole in one of my fat mats, right? And stuck this camera up through the middle of the table and had these GoPros pointing. And I got one of those shots where it was like miniatures in the foreground, dice like right in front of them and then like players faces in the background and terrain every it was just that shot that i had had in my head for like nine months since covid right where i was like oh my goodness that's the one i wanted 
And when I got that shot, that moment, I was like, okay, I can do this. I just need to load more cameras. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse or not on the show. But, well, now uh, we have to stop streaming. No, I'm kidding. Good. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm, on my stream, I don't care because I'm not like an official, so I like to tell people they can curse. But anyway, just like have a million more cameras and um, because, you know, I want to be able to get that shot that I'm talking about, that like that that moment shot yeah. a lot of times during the game. And you need to have a lot of different angles to, to find that shot. Sure. So... Yeah, Danny. Sorry, you were saying something. No, I said sure. Yep, that, that oh, makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Jump. Sorry. Jumping in there. So yeah, you got this perfect shot, and then you're like, let's increase the amount of cameras by like six hundred percent. Yeah, because it felt <laughs> so good to get that one shot. Right? I was like, oh man, I I really want to get that every time now, right? So, so we don't yeah. like Thanos with the cameras and try to collect every shot on the way there. Um, tell me about some of the shots that you have that you would consider to be like unique. Because again, we've seen, we started to see kind of like side table. We're going to have like top down table. We have yeah. uh, the, the, my most hated one is the dice cam. Uh, but, uh, but mm -hmm. tell us kind of what makes war games live unique. What are some shots that are like, whoa, that's different. One of the things that I do in my streams is I try to, there's a human element to the game. And so I have a camera that's, that I can control to point at the players during the game, right? So when something dramatic happens in the game, not only do I want to see what's going on on the table, but I want to see people's mm -hmm. facial reactions to that, right? So I have a camera where it's, it's not the most flattering angle because it's like a real low camera angle that points up. And that's like the worst <laughs> one for double chins and everything. Like it's the opposite of the, the, in the Facebook angle. What, what is that one that people always use where they hold the camera real up high and they look up at it? Um, so anyway, um, it's not the most flattering. I apologize to everyone who's been on the stream, but it's really cool to see people's reactions during a game. And, um, you know, even when they're thinking about something really deeply, you know, it's, it's cool to see like people working through in their heads. So the human element, I think is a, is a big deal that, um, that my stream captures a little bit because I also mic up the players, right? So we get to hear them talking through their strategies and exactly what they're thinking. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that, that one shot, I think is kind of one that I haven't seen a lot of other people doing. Um, oh, man. so I, I would hate by the way, just to have, that that one moment in the game where you make that game losing error and you realize what you've done and you see it on your face and you go back to watch your game later and all you can see is just like straight up your nostrils and oh, just like yeah, oh yeah, no, that's the <laughs> chin right there. So yeah, I, I played on my own stream for the first time a couple of weeks ago and it was terrifying for me. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So so thank you to everyone who's played on streams because you know it's uh not the easiest thing sometimes. <clears throat> How are you finding uh, like your your connection? Because streaming can be very demanding, and especially with as complicated as yours can be. There, are you finding like the places you're going are, are kind of generally kind of good for that, or you're getting like a lot of drops, or kind of what's going on? Yeah, no, everything's been fine. Um, I always ask people ahead of time, you know, what kind of connection is there, and um, I, you know, I always prefer landlines, like a hard line, of course. But uh, Wi-Fi is it's gotten pretty good these days, right? And I got to say this too, like. Warhammer streaming is not that demanding because of the way the compression works with the video. It only really sends the parts of the screen that's changing, right, in a, in a given moment. So mm -hmm. your yeah. your bandwidth usage streaming a Warhammer game is actually pretty small compared to, like, streaming some other video game where lots of stuff is changing all the time. Right. So I'm only using, like, three megabits per second up, which is not really that demanding. Um, it's It's been pretty easy to have a pretty stable connection most of the time. I, I did... Um, there is a tournament that I was going to go. I was going to go to the boys GT um, next weekend. 
they don't have internet there at all. So I was researching like a cellular connection and stuff. And I haven't tried that yet. I'm a little terrified of it, but I know it is possible to do. Yeah. Um, I, I just had, but I'm not going there instead because uh, Warzone Atlanta um, offered to help chip in for some gas money and stuff. Ooh, so nice. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, nice. Those, yeah. That's supposed to be a yeah. fun one. Yeah, so that's where we're heading. It, they have a cool format. They're doing that thing where there's a three-round tournament on Friday before the main event where people who like want to try to win the whole tournament can sign up for that. Yep. And uh, so you basically get all the sweaty tryhards in their own bracket, and then everyone else who's just playing casually or are in their <laughs> own tournament, uh, which I think is a great idea. And I'm excited. To, I get to cover nine games on a weekend instead of six, too, so that's cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great question here from Kara Quinn in chat. Um, has anyone ever said just no? They're like, "Hey, we we're gonna stream your game," and they're like, "Nah." I kind of, not, yeah, not in a tournament. I was surprised. Like when I first started, I was worried that would happen, but uh, no one has ever said they don't want to be on the stream. Like it's well, actually, that's not true. One one person did say that in in Toronto. I asked them; they didn't want to be on the stream, but it's been very uncommon. Like that's just one thing about this community that's so great is like. People just, you know, they're they're real giving. I think in this community mm-hmm. as a whole. So, um, you know, they're like, yeah, cool. I'll I'll be on your stream, whatever. And yeah, everyone's been great that we've had on the stream. So, as as kind of a follow up to that, Joe, like, and not mm-hmm. asking, like, obviously, have you have you had to deal with any kind of blow ups or anything like that? And obviously, I don't want you to like name any names or anything. Like, oh, we've had contentious games, or do you have protocol <laughs> for that? um i don't have like a protocol for that no i i there have been one or two games that were a little contentious i do think that playing on the stream modifies people's behavior somewhat right so people are aware that they're on the stream so they're not going to throw a big you know hissy fit in the middle of a tournament when they're on the stream um but there there have been some people who get who get heated over this over the game and um okay i uh that just goes with the territory of being at at big tournaments right because i go to the like the really big tournaments and people really want to win those. And sometimes they get a little bit emotional about it. So it's yeah. true. Yeah, man. Great question. Uh, what's on your schedule coming up? You said you're doing Warzone Atlanta. Uh, yeah, so Warzone Atlanta. Um, so then the weekend after Warzone Atlanta, I'm hopefully going up to Minnesota. Um, there's a, there's a two day event that weekend in Minneapolis. Um, and so, that one's uh, not 100% sure yet. I'm not, I'm not sure about that one yet. The weekend after that is Thanksgiving, so nothing that weekend. Um, it's my first weekend off in about two months. I've been on the road doing a tournament every weekend. Wow. Um, and then the weekend after that, there'll be a tournament in Tennessee that I'll be covering, I believe. Um, it's not in BCP, though, so it's a little bit hard to track down who's running it. But I'm getting I'm, what's cool now is I'm starting to get like tips and leads from people who are watching the stream and people that I'm talking to at tournaments that are saying, Hey, you should go do this one, go do that one. So, um, that's, cool. that, that, yeah, it's, it's taken off from there, but yeah. Um, you said as well that you mic your players, uh, whereas kind mm-hmm. of a lot of kind of the other streamers coming around, uh, they have commentators like I know, like on like FLGN, we have like Adam Malaria kind of the main one we have the GW stream where they have like Paul Murphy and Nick Donavati. Aside from the fact that you're kind of running like a solo show, what's your kind of view on player mics games versus commentated games? Yeah, so th- what I always tell people with this is, um, to me, um, first of all, I'm not as talented at commentary as those guys that you mentioned, right? And I, I don't even pretend to be because I'm not as knowledgeable at the game as those guys, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. my strength is in the production values and all that stuff. So for me, if I was to sit there and try to commentate the game, 
you know, I, I can't, right? I don't know. I don't know the depth of strategy that all these guys do, but I will say this as well. People have really responded positively to the players' mics because it's the only way that you can really know what's happening in the game moment to moment, in my opinion, right? You can be the best mm -hmm. commentator in the world and have a super deep knowledge of the game and really, really understand it very well. But even those guys sometimes are guessing, like, I think he's rolling a save for this, or I think he's shooting at this unit now, right? I think this is what's happening. And without yeah. the mics, you just don't know, right? So um, I, I also have found that, like, the higher up you get in the tables at a tournament, the more players talk about what their intent is, right? They say, yep. I'm going to move this guy over here so next turn I can charge this thing, and I want to stay away from the range of this thing and blah, blah, all this stuff. And that stuff is gold to me. I love that, right? It's so fascinating hearing the thought process of these great players. Um, and I've learned a ton from it. So for me, it's a little selfish, right? Because um, I don't have to talk for the whole weekend, for one thing, right? Which is nice. Mm -hmm. And But but I, I've learned so much about 40K from listening to these really good players talk through their strategies. Um, I just don't think there's any replacement for that, for, for me. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, totally fair. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Danny, that's something you mentioned, you noticed when you were starting to kind of play and, and be around uh, better players was the amount of talking it through and kind of like verbally saying what they were doing um, yeah. is huge, uh, which, again, I think is, is one of the reasons a lot of them are as good as they are. Um, yeah. What do you think? So right now, 40K is in this like huge growth cycle or in the middle of it um, mm -hmm. where, where it's, it's gaining popularity like the licensing is getting like ridiculous last week we talked about the scented candles that are coming out and kind of the, <laughs> yeah. the plush toys it's going yeah. huge um and then we, it allows us to make sex toy jokes once every two weeks because that's mm -hmm. all the, the style guide allows us to um what's it going to take for 40k streaming to increase in popularity because while we've seen kind of like this huge increase in popularity uh, of the, the ip and kind of the product what do you think it's going to take to push streaming to that level of popularity I think um, some of the stuff that I'm doing, I hope will will contribute to that. But I will say that, like, if the gold standard to me in like tabletop streaming events is Magic the Gathering. If you ever watch a Magic the Gathering tournament stream, they do some things that we don't do in the 40k community. That's awesome. Like for one thing, it's a lot easier for them to set up, you know, four or five games and record them and stuff, so they can show games constantly. They have this like time walk thing where they. They show a game live, and then at the break between games, they they have a recorded game that they're playing as well for people. So that it's just like constant content, which is huge. Um, Magic also has an advantage in that the readability of what's happening is is mm -hmm. easy because as soon as you learn the the pictures of the cards, the art on the cards, you instantly recognize what's happening in the game, right? So. Um, readability in, in warhammer comes down to recognizing the miniatures and, and where they are in the game and to me that's one like i said before one of the reasons why the camera angles are so important for just a game readability point of view is if i'm just looking top down i can't really see what miniatures are where but with the with the angles it's a lot easier to kind of get a feel for the state of the game um and the other thing i'd say is like people want people want to watch for like personalities right they want to watch for um not just armies and stuff but they want to see yeah. people playing the game you know and i think 40k is doing that a little bit now like the art of war guys do a lot of this and you know there's other people who are um kind of putting themselves out there as personalities but i think we could do a better job of covering um the stories behind people like um talk a little bit more about um 
how they got into the hobby and all that stuff like in, in the tournament coverage you know include that in the tournament coverage that, that mm-hmm. human interest stuff some mm-hmm. um would help a lot of people but i mean honestly at the end of the day like people it's tough to watch because it's like a, a three-hour game right it's a three hours for one game and that's that's a big ask i think for a, a huge audience or, or 30 stuff. minutes for some games uh depending like yeah on yeah <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Yep. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you see kind of, because um, recently last year, um, there was a Kickstarter, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but I'm sure I'm going to hear it in my ear in like two seconds, um, for like augmented reality as part of streaming and kind of putting this oh, yeah. for that for the yeah. rightful ruler. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Um, how do you see that improving? Because what you're talking about here with like the way magic streams and being able to see and kind of pull up what unit it is. And then so instead of the, oh, I think that's an intercessor in there, you can actually pull that up. Where do you kind of see the, the future of streaming going using that kind of technology? I think that's not just the future of streaming. I think that's the future of the game, right? Like, um, I think it'll hit streaming first, but I wouldn't be surprised if in 15 or you know 20 years when you play Warhammer, I think I think it'll still be a physical thing in a store, but like I wouldn't be surprised if there's augmented reality elements to that where you can like get a base from GW with a little like chip in it that has the stats of the unit and then when you put it on the table, it shows up on your augmented reality during the game. Like I think that the game might have to start going in that kind of direction to draw in people who are really focused on digital content. Um, cause I, I don't know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you go to tournaments now and like the average age of people at tournaments is, is going up, right? We're, we're not doing a great job of drawing young kids into the game right now. So, um, if there was something like it, what's that game, the Skylanders, I think is what it is, where that you buy a little like statue and then you can put it on your Wii and yep. you oh, get that buddy. character in the game or whatever. That's huge, right? Skylanders is huge. About other hobbies I've sunk thousands of dollars into, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 40K has to have some kind of element there. But I, but I don't think it's ever going to go completely digital because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but during COVID, I played on Tabletop Simulator quite a bit, right, As, to yeah. get my 40K fix. And um, it just didn't do it for me 100% because I like going into a game store and meeting people face to face and picking up little toy soldiers and throwing dice and hearing the sounds and all that, you know, just all that stuff. I enjoy that a lot. Right. And I think that, um, as we've gone more digital, people have started to realize the value of those in-person interactions more, Absolutely. but, but not younger people, right? <laughs> like young people are completely happy just chilling on the computer all the time. Um, cause that's what they've grown up with. And, you know, I think for 40K to stay relevant for younger people, and it has to, right? It has to stay relevant for young people or else the hobby will die. They got to start bringing in some of that digital pizzazz. And I think augmented reality might be one way they can do that. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, as, as we wind up here, uh, or wind down even, holy cow, I'm here, I promise. Um, <laughs> just one thing here. You said you were 80% of the way there for, for what you consider mm-hmm. to be like the perfect stream setup. What is that last 20% for you? Uh, and Val would like to know if you've copyrighted it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, so, so the thing is, like, when you start getting into audiovisual stuff, um, the price range is ridiculous, right? Like, you can spend, you can easily spend $300,000 on a Warhammer streaming setup if you, if you, like, just bought everything. Um, so, <laughs> like, to go from that, that last 20%, you know, 
I'd like better quality cameras on all the angles, of course. Like um, right now I have one 4K camera for the overhead shot. Uh, it would be nice to have more of those cameras at higher quality. I had mm -hmm. to make a real compromise between quality and price when I was getting my camera gear. Mm -hmm. um, I would also like to have more um, mobility in my cameras. So be able to like move cameras mid game around the table um, so that I don't have to, because right now I have so many cameras for one reason, because I, before the game starts, I have to guess where cool stuff <laughs> is going to happen yeah, during sure. the game and point yeah. my cameras at those places and then hope that cool stuff happens there during the game. Right. <laughs> I know you're gonna be so, like, hey, dude, I know you were gonna go up this alley, but if you could actually go this way, yeah. that would be like yeah. super free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make my angle look better. <laughs> right, right. I have a couple of cameras now that I can position, and I love doing that in the game. It's really it gives me some of my best shots, right? But uh, it would be great if I had more of that. So if I had like a, I have an idea for a, um, like a on the sides of the table, have a camera on a track, um, and with some kind of like ledge on top of it, so the players can't like it wouldn't interfere with the players because it would be kind of like if you ever played a 40k in one of those like sunken tables where the play yeah. surface is a few inches below so you could do that and then in the kind of in the wall of that thing have a camera that can move back and forth along the edge of the board kind of like a poker hole card cam right something like yeah. that um and so I've, I've been like thinking in my head okay what parts could I buy? Because again, you can buy one of those, right? You can just buy a straight up a camera that does exactly that, but the the thing costs like eight hundred dollars. I don't have eight hundred dollars to spend on that, so I'm trying to figure out a way to like cobble it together from an RC airplane and a you know TV remote control and all this other stuff. So, um, <laughs> so that that'll get me closer, right? Just being able to move cameras around during the game, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and and some cooler overlay stuff. Like my audience has requested. Um, being able to see really easily who's controlling an objective in the middle of a game, like color code oh, it somehow or something. I think that would help a lot. Uh, kind of like the NFL's like first down marker that they have that, that, that revolutionized football coverage. Yeah. I mean, I guess remember watching football before they had that thing, but can you mm -hmm. imagine watching a game now without it? I mean, it's, it's great. Right. So yeah. um, some, some more stuff like that, like, like some augmented reality stuff for the stream. Yeah. Kind of make like a, like you're almost a, like a smart table, but not quite right. Like, uh, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Well, Danny, what, what else do we have here for, for Mr. Joe? Oh man. Uh, we covered a gamut of topics, John. We talked about, uh, man, Val come in. I know Val came in. He yeah. asked questions. That's a first, by the way, Joe. Val has never asked. Oh, a question I'm honored. Yet. Yeah. 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 So um he 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 deemed to come down and uh from, from and grace us with his presence, yeah. Instead of us shouting. I wish I could be a servo stool too, by the way. I'm kinda jealous. Like, <laughs> it requires really a lot like of on camera. It requires a lot of restraint and tasteful application. You can't just constantly pop uh, in and interrupt the conversation, <laughs> you know. You just gotta be like a fly on the wall. And you just you right. just you just can't drop in and, and just talk or yammer on and on and on when people are trying oh to have a conversation. God. Every time. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> every time this one time <laughs> yeah every time this one time uh but yeah Danny, any, anything else you have for joe here no no that was really excellent thank you so much for coming on tonight joe. yeah oh, th perfect thank joe, you for inviting me guys yeah. no no problem i love this conversation i love what you're doing mm -hmm. here joe before we wrap this up go ahead tell everyone where to find your stuff where they can see your stuff where they can support you uh because like mm -hmm. i said a madman traveling the the eastern coast of the united states uh, streaming Warhammer. If I let people know if they have a game store or a tournament they want you to be at, how do they get in contact with you for that? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the channel is youtube.com slash wargameslive. 
Um, the email is the best way to get in touch with me because I'm a little bit of a boomer. So it's joe at wargames.live. And um, if you really love what I'm doing and want to help, you know, pay for gas and stuff, uh, the Patreon is the best place to support me there. And that's patreon.com slash wargameslive. So, um, yeah, that's it. Amazing. And if you guys awesome. are listening to the podcast or watching the edited version on YouTube, we'll get all that stuff added to the show notes. Uh, if you're awesome. watching live, I hope you wrote it all down. Yeah, because uh, we, as we always say before every episode, make sure you're sitting here with a pen and paper uh, to, to write down anything. There will be a test afterwards. No, there won't be a quiz. Tyler would hate us for that. Um, perfect. Well, guys, uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Can't wait to yeah, keep watching your stuff. Um, Thanks, guys. Uh, Danny and I will be back next week. Uh, same uh, bad time, same bad channel. Mm -hmm. with a very special guest that i haven't decided yet that, that's how well prepared we are at this point here uh, so incredibly well prepared you've never seen people as prepared as us <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's, <laughs> it's the best uh and we won't chat because you complained last week there'll be no see you next tuesday because it's not tuesday uh but but as danny quite rightfully pointed out uh, danny and i we will see you monday